This is Tony Drake, Certified Financial Planner with Drake & Associates, and this is the Retirement Ready Show. Our goal is to educate you on the many topics of retirement and inform you how to create a successful Retirement Ready Roadmap. Thank you for joining me today for another episode where we will make your Retirement Ready Roadmap simple. I'm Tony Drake, Certified Financial Planner, and you're tuned in to the Retirement Ready Show. Joined this week by my buddy, Randy Winkler. Hey, Tony. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. You're all uh, last weekend. We had Memorial Day. You all, all recovered from the hot dogs and the oh, grill. It, and... Was, it was great. We did lots of hiking and biking. And as you know, I'm a, I'm a home brewer. So we uh, we bottled a batch of beer on, on uh, Saturday. Oh, how'd it turn out? Well, we got a couple of weeks before we can, uh, it's uh, now in the bottle. It's, oh, uh, see, that shows you what I know about yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> we actually had some, we had some technical issues, so it got to be very challenging. Usually the bottling is the easy part, but we were having some air bubbles. Long story, but uh, hopefully it'll all turn out good. So Yeah, fun time of year. Kind of, you know, I know we have uh, incredible listeners uh, that, that tune in the podcast from all over the country, but... Um, you know, here in the Midwest, this is, I don't know, it's like a symbolic weekend, the start of the summer, and it's a, just an incredible time to think about, you know, all the people and families who, who gave this ultimate sacrifice so we get to enjoy these freedoms and have this day off to celebrate and just kind of a, a neat weekend in my mind to really think about those folks and be around family and just that gratitude is pretty incredible. I like that we've got the little army men in our soul in our uh, yeah. our soldiers in our, our office as a reminder. And we met with someone not that long ago, and she's like, "Oh, I really love that you have those army men." But my what about army women? So my daughter's in the military, so you were able to find some uh, some pink army women for. So now we're uh, we got both both genders represented. In, I in love there. it. I love it. Yeah, uh, you got to do that. It's an important thing. Yeah, it's been a neat thing. We have a basket in our offices and. Kind of a reminder, we ask people to take an army man or woman and, and can just kind of think about the sacrifices that are made for our freedoms and just a nice little uh, reminder, I think. Yeah. I was talking to my family over the weekend. I had two uncles that fought in World War II. Wow. And just some uh, some stories there. One was in Okinawa and one was actually in uh, military intelligence going through uh, Nazi Germany uh, interrogating people. Oh, wow. So got some really interesting stories there. When you think one of them was shot, got the Purple Heart and... Uh, some of the experiences and how it affected the rest of their lives, the things that they oh, went through, sure, yeah, but yeah. just the, 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 I made a comment one time back and I won't even say who the president was, but I had a difference of opinion with somebody and I knew that my uncle felt very much the same way. And he laid into me, that is your president. This is our country. I mean, he was just, and he was actually born on the 4th of July, believe it or not, but uh, <laughs> but it was just kind of a reminder. I'm like, okay, yeah, there's a bigger principle there if you don't agree with the, the person. Yeah, it's uh, interesting. You kind of think that at, my grandpa was a World War II Navy vet, and you know, I think there was a, a generation or a time politically where you know, it, it, even if the president didn't fall from your party or your side of the aisle, if you will, there was this kind of patriotism and seems to be a, a generation that's uh, gone at this point but. yeah it's a, it's a good reminder though to think that okay even if you don't agree you can support and you know hope, hope for the best and heck yeah uh, sorry right. the country depends on all of those people yeah <laughs> that's for sure word. yeah exactly <laughs> for sure yeah we i did similar i was uh hiking so i've uh i think i've mentioned it on a podcast before i'm climbing grand teton this mm-hmm. summer and we partnered up with feeding america to raise donations so if anybody's so inclined we'd love to uh, to have you donate to support the cause every dollar goes to feeding america i'm going to match it uh, once i get to the top there and 
Um, that website, if you'd like to donate, is feedingamericawi.org forward slash Drake. That's D-R-A-K-E, but you can donate right there. And um, but, but, Randy, I've graduated on my hikes now. I'm carrying a full backpack with 55 pounds Whoa. in it just to get rid, you know, because we have to hike all the right. gear in. And um, as I understand, the first day is a nine-mile hike, and we'll go up 5,000 feet. Then we'll set up camp. Then the second day is only a mile, but it's 2,000 feet, so it's about straight up. And um, so we got to get all that gear. And so I was wow. out there rucking and carrying all that stuff this weekend. It was good. It was fun. Have, Had a lot of family over. It was a great weekend. I have a friend who's a, a rucker, and he was really drilling into me what it's like. It's supposed to be the best exercise. And he there's these bags. They're ridiculously right, expensive. Right. And he lent me one, and he lended me uh, a 20-pound weight and a 10-pound weight. He's like, yeah, just, you know, because I'll see every once in a while if I'm hiking on a trail and I'll see somebody come by just sweating and carrying hundreds of pounds. And I'm like, yeah, I put 30 pounds on there and I'm in fairly good shape. Oh, my gosh. I had no idea. So yeah, I, I didn't 55. start at 55 pounds. <laughs> I, I slowly added weight to the pack, but I think that's going to be about my pack weight now. So you need a Sherpa. Yeah, <laughs> I think I am the Sherpa. It's the reality. But uh Good stuff, though. Fun stuff. But I want to talk a little bit, Randy, about kind of, you know, some of this, you know, debt ceiling stuff. I think we've been all all been hearing about it. Kind of a recurring theme that happens over history in a little bit here. I want to talk about some of the history of the country's debt since 1776 and, you know, some of the things that that people are kind of experiencing and seeing. But are, when, when you have clients come in, Randy, are they bringing this up? Are people worried about it? Or what's the general sense you're, you're hearing and feeling? That's about 50-50. There's some that are like, is this the same as last time? It seems like this comes up every couple of years and we go right to the edge of the cliff before we, we put the brakes on and get something done. And then there's others like, boy, they're really, is, is this different? Are, are, we, are we hyping it? I think one thing that's happened over the years is that there's more media there's social media and there's all sure. of these different people and everybody's got to be, and it's not even news anymore. It's more about noise. Who can be the loudest and be the most uh, uh, dramatic? So some of that can really color the the opinion. And I usually try and you know temper that down and say, hey, in the past, we've always gone right to the edge and then we, we solve it. It's going to be a lot of posturing between now and then and pandering to the base and wanting to look like you're doing the right thing. And the other party wants to look like they're doing the right thing but they they get it done the repercussions are too big to usually last done. second but yep. they get it done so I, I decided to have a little fun randy i went back and got some audio clips over history <laughs> so maybe it sounds a little bit like a script that's read over and over but here this first one is from bill clinton in 1996 talking about the debt i think it is terribly important that the congress pass a clean debt ceiling and do it immediately so that we can honor the full faith and credit of the United States and so that those Social Security checks can go out at the 1st of March. That Social Security one's always a good one to go yep. to. That drums up the emotions, <laughs> right? And then in 2011, we uh, I found a clip of Barack Obama talking about it. Social Security checks and veterans' benefits will be delayed. We might not be able to pay our troops or honor our contracts with small business owners. Food inspectors, air traffic controllers wouldn't get their paychecks. You know, if you remember back in 2011, you had the um, former House Speaker John Boehner, and, and he was talking about it at the time as well. Unfortunately, the president would not take yes for an answer. Even when we thought we might be close on an agreement, the president's demands changed. And then this year, of course, House Speaker Kevin McCarty has been uh, talking quite a bit about it. And here's a clip from uh, him. 
may have difference of opinion on both sides, but if the Senate has a different opinion, pass a bill. How Congress works, if you just go back to Schoolhouse Rock, House pass a bill, Senate pass a bill, they can go to conference, and the president can then decide. But the one thing I do know, Schoolhouse Rock, they never told you not to negotiate. They told you to work together, and that's what we're doing. Work together. You <laughs> should have sang the song. It was popping back into my head when you mentioned Schoolhouse Rock. That's going to sing it for us? Or? No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just seems to be this age-old theme, you know, kind of the back and forth. And, and, I, and I don't mean to poo-poo the debt. I mean, it is definitely on, on our minds. I, I just think, you know, we're in a political system where we need these dramatic, dramatic headlines. There needs to be some grandstanding and some sound bites and quotes, you know, for future kind of campaign commercials and all that stuff and at, at the end of the day though you know our goal is to help retirees sleep well at night and one thing we know is markets don't like uncertainty right debt ceilings government shutdowns things of that nature and you know sometimes this can cause some market fluctuation there's been a lot of talk about the last you know debt ceiling debate and how much it affected the markets and what they're not reminding you of is at the same time the whole Greek banking issue was going on and that you know it's probably arguable that that had a much larger impact on it than our our debt ceiling debate but you know something that needs to be dealt with I think Randy one side says hey this is important we need just a clean bill we need to take care of all these financial responsibilities and the credit worthiness and you know faith of the US government the other side says, yeah, that's important, but the spending doesn't seem to stop and we need to balance this out somehow. Yeah, I, I read over the weekend, uh, interesting summarizing everything. It said that the two parties, one party thinks that government is the solution and one party thinks that government is the problem. So depending on which side you're at, you've got a completely different viewpoint on this. But if you work together, you know, come up with a come up with a solution. And there's actually been a lot of interesting data over the years that shows that if one party controls you know, the House, the Senate, and the White House, where that's not a good thing, you know, the, uh, especially for the markets, uh, because I, th I think there's an expectation that there's going to be radical change. You know, when you've got a little bit of gridlock, that generally tends to be very good for, for the economy and good for the markets. Well, it's kind of interesting. You're careful what you wish for. I think everybody, depending on which side of the aisle you're on, you want to have your, your party in power across the board, but it's actually better for the markets if you don't have uh, one party that can dominate the other. Hey, podcast fans, if you're ready to take the next steps to create your Retirement Ready Roadmap, then visit us at retirementreadyshow.com. Here you can download educational white papers, sign up for educational no-obligation workshops, or schedule your complimentary consultation. Also, don't forget to follow us and like us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Now back to the podcast. It isn't, I mean, if you just look at the data and look at market performance, it operates better under a split government. So, so it's in, may, may, maybe the lesson there is they can't get anything done and they just leave it alone. Right. And <laughs> that's, there, there, that's that certainty for that's the market. Right. That's happening and we know what's yeah, going to happen. It's certain and nothing's going to happen. Right. <laughs> it's just maybe better than some of the alternatives. But, you know, it's certainly understandable. I think that people get nervous and feel that stress. I, I found an article, Randy, I went through the history of the federal debt. I think people will find this interesting. The Continental Congress could not, this is going all the way back to 1776, mm -hmm. Continental Congress could not finance the Revolutionary War with large tax raises, right? I mean, kind of the basis of the war from, from right. Britain was unjust taxes, so they certainly couldn't do it that way, so they had to borrow money from other nations. 
Benjamin Franklin secured loans of over $2 million from the French government. John Adams secured a loan from Dutch bankers as well as domestic creditors. And when the war ended in 1783, the newly formed Department of Finance reported U.S. debt to the American public for the first time and Congress took action to raise taxes. The debt at that time was $43 million. Now, I'm, I'm not certainly not turning my nose up at $43 million, Randy, but boy, uh, you think about that in comparison to today's numbers. It sounds like nothing. Yeah. Sounds like nothing. And then by 1815, of course, we had the War of 1812, and that caused the national debt to increase to $119.2 million. Back then, President Andrew Jackson sold off federally owned Western lands and blocked spending on infrastructure to pay off the national debt after six years in office. And then the Civil War, this is a, might be a surprising number for people, cost $5.2 billion when it ended. And that caused the national debt to balloon to $2.6 billion. Of course, then you had the Great Depression in the 1930s. You had government assistance programs, the Great New Deal by FDR, and that caused the national debt to hit $33 billion. After lending other countries money to help pay their military costs for World War II, national debt hit $285 billion. By the 1980s, increases in defense spending coupled with tax cuts caused the debt to grow to $2.7 trillion. So now we're using the T, no, no more Bs there. $2.7 trillion. There was a minimal increase in the federal debt until we got into the 2000s. But by 2005, the federal deficit was more than $8.1 trillion. Of course, you had the Great Recession in 2008. There was a bunch of stimulus programs, bank bailouts. That, that went up to $12.3 trillion. And then you fast forward to the pandemic of 2020, followed by multiple rounds of stimulus packages. National debt hit $28.2 trillion by April of 2021. Today, we're looking at $31 trillion, and it's just rolling, just keeps going up and up and up. So I you know, certainly understand this notion why people want to come up with some resolution. Yeah, I think more than even being concerned about the debt ceiling, it's the debt-to-GDP ratio. I think that's something we spend a lot of time talking about you know, on the radio and with clients, that um, it's just amazing that our entire country's output and its goods and services and everything we do is less than the debt that we have. And the last time that happened was back in the um, 1940s. And the top tax bracket at that point was 94%. So, you know, with the high taxes, it brought down the, that uh, national debt until we got to the 80s. And then it started ramping back up again. So now we're almost as high as we were in the 40s, but we're definitely uh, more debt than GDP. But taxes have not followed. So we have the expectation that taxes are going to be going up. We know they're going up in a couple of years. When the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act sunsets at the end of 2025, going into January 2026. But we have an expectation that uh, taxes are probably going to have to go up. I had an interesting conversation with somebody in our industry, and he said, oh, no, taxes won't go up. They can't go up because there's no way we could possibly you know, cover the debt with um, increased taxes. I'm like, well, you know, just because yeah, you know, the we we can't uh, plug the hole in the dike with one finger doesn't mean that we don't try to you know slap a little duct tape on it. But uh, I guess we'll see what happens. But keeping an eye on these things and having a plan for anything that might happen, you know, we can't uh, prepare for anything. But you know, if you've got a plan and you've got your money allocated to different buckets based on your time frame, it makes it much easier to sleep at night. When you go through a 2008 or a, the uh, market crash of 2020 and recovery, if you're just reacting as opposed to, you know, we're good, we got this, we, we're prepared for this. It, it makes for a completely different experience.
Yeah, different experience. And, 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 you know, it's just about, I think, not emotionally reacting. I, you know, I think it's one of the powers of having a, a financial professional, a good fiduciary that's helping you is, you know, so you don't make those poor decisions, right? I mean, we talk about it a lot, but oftentimes when you go through a recessionary period or a market pullback, those are opportunities, right? I mean, you think about some of these, I guess, you know, now famous and Warren Buffett's of the world, right? And they've made a career of running into the fire when everybody else runs out. And that's hard to do, though, with your own money. I mean, it's very hard to stay disciplined. In fact, I think I heard a quote, I'll probably butcher it, but it was just from their last, uh, the Berkshire meeting where him and Charlie Munger were made, I think, I think it was Charlie made some comment. He kind of was thinking back and he said, I don't think we've ever made an emotional decision when it came to the investments. And that's an impressive, but I wouldn't believe that from anybody else other than those two guys. Yeah, that's for sure. They they seem to have it locked in. I'm reminded of a book. Did you ever read the book by Victor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning? No, Uh, I haven't read that one. Highly recommend it. I read it every couple of years. He's a uh, psychiatrist that was in concentration camps in World War II. Oh, wow. And he discovers through that that the only true power you have is between stimulus and response. And he talked, he said that by learning that he discovered that he had more power than the guards at the, you know, at the concentration camp because he could choose how he was going to respond. And I often think of that because he makes a point of the difference between reacting and responding. People react to a volatile market by panicking. People respond by buying, you know? Uh, So the difference between reacting and responding is that choice that you make and trying to take the emotion out of it. I always think that that's a, that's something to keep in mind when you hmm. when your emotions are taken over. That sounds like a really good book. Oh, it's I, I've got a copy if you'd like to borrow it. I, yeah, I'd, I'd love really to. Like it. I'd love to. That sounds great. Yeah, that's an interesting uh, interesting point, and and you know really applicable to your point. You know, to investing in the markets long term. There's a great study we reference sometimes here in the office with the folks we're working with that looked at a 20 year time period. And it said, hey, well, what, what if you try to time this a little bit, right? If you did nothing, just stayed invested, you know, here's your average rate of return. And, and if you tried to time it a little bit, and in 20 years, you just missed the 10 single best days, your return cut in half. If you missed the 20 best investment days over 20 years, your return was at about zero. Anything beyond that, you actually lost money. So this timing thing is difficult. So I think, you know, trying to keep the emotion out of it really is you know an important uh part of this um because you just have to you know if you're going to have some success in investing long term and that's where a plan comes in and and what we like to do randy is we like to create what we call our safe income bucket you like to call it the boring bucket right (laughs) but but if, if in our safe income boring bucket we can have 10 to 15 years worth of income that's not subject to the wall street roller coaster and then we can take some risk and the other, depending on your risk tolerance, you know, 60s, you know, 40, whatever percentage that you want at risk, right? 50, 60, whatever that number is, we can start to not have to worry about that nearly as much because we do have time on our side because we have our income squared away for the next 10 or 15 years. And an approach like this can bring about a lot more peace of mind for folks. Yeah, I love explaining that concept to people because they a lot of times get to that, oh, like, well, why doesn't everybody do that? It seems so simple and makes so much sense. 
But what or people tend to fall on one side or the other. Hey, if I put all of my money in the growth bucket, in the good years, it's going to be really, really good, forgetting that in the bad years, it's going to be really, really bad. Or, hey, I want to put all of my money in the safe bucket. I don't want to have any risk at all. Well, there, you're probably not getting enough growth to survive a 30, 40, 50-year retirement. So dividing it up, and the funny thing is when you look back, you're probably going to say, oh, I wish I would have done this or done this differently. But, you know, in lieu of having a... a um, crystal ball. I think this approach works really well to give that peace of mind where you know Do that. Do you have that crystal ball? Or? I don't. I mean, I don't even have the magic eight we ball. We know exactly what to buy, right? <laughs> I got a good one for you, Randy. Okay. Why did the math book look so sad? Oh, as a math major, I should be able to answer this or come up with some uh, witty alternative responses, but uh, I don't know. Why was the math book sad? It had too many problems. <laughs> Maybe that was the wrong button. I should have used this one. There it is. There it is. <laughs> yeah, that might have been a more appropriate one for uh, these bad dad jokes. But uh, important uh, important to have a plan. It's something we've talked about in the past, and, and I think it's critical. You know, we really believe you want to have a retirement-ready roadmap, a five-step plan. Remember the five areas we want you thinking about. Maybe you're, you're doing it yourself or working somewhere else. But, but the five areas you really want to think about are, of course, the investments. And so many people have that squared away. But also your income plan. Do you know exactly where your income is going to come from, from what account and what orders, and how long it's going to last? That's a big question we all have. Do I have enough money? Am I going to be okay? Right? We need a plan for health care. If we're going to retire before Medicaid, how do we get to Medicare age? I said Medicaid, excuse me. Medicare age 65. And once we get to Medicare, are we doing Medicare Advantage, Medicare Supplement? How are we dealing with Part D? You know, how are we dealing with end, you know, later in life issues like long-term care, which could financially wipe out your loved ones, right? And is that a risk you're willing to take, right? We need to think about family, health, wellness, continuity, but also succession planning, right? And the fifth stop is tax planning. And we're talking about forward-looking tax strategies to reduce your tax bills. It's not uncommon that we can save someone six figures in taxation over a 20, 30, 40 year retirement. So putting these pieces together becomes really critical. I would say for most of the plans that I've had the fortune to review over the last 15, 16 years, Randy, um, there's always an area that seems to be a little bit neglected in particular, that tax strategy, you know, stop on the roadmap just tends to not be looked at and it's so important and when you think about today's federal income tax rates they may be the lowest that we'll see for the rest of our lives after tax rates went down with the 2017 tax cut and jobs act but we know these tax rates expire so in 2026 they're going back up so it's not a matter of if but it's a matter of when they go up we know for sure january 26 could be sooner with this national debt we were talking about but I bet just about everybody listening has a few areas where they can become a little bit more tax efficient with their retirement accounts. So we want to help you understand those potential impact that taxes can have on your retirement savings. We want to show you ways to reduce or possibly eliminate taxes in retirement and how to create an income strategy so your retirement income lasts as long as you need to. So if you've saved at least 250000 for retirement, don't be afraid to reach out to us. We can help you go over your retirement accounts and uncover what possible tax liabilities you could see in the future. Randy, so many people, 
you know, the vast majority of your retirement wealth is in that 401k IRA, and that's got a big old IOU stamp on it from the IRS, and you need to plan for that, or that causes some major tax problems, and we'll talk about some of the strategies that could help you reduce those taxes down the road. It could mean thousands of dollars back in your pocket to spend the way you want to spend it. There's a short window of opportunity to take advantage to keep taxes from taking too much of a bite out of those savings. And again, it could be some pretty tremendous numbers. We'd love to help you with that. And of course, we appreciate you tuning in to the Retirement Ready Show. Hey, podcast fans, if you're ready to take the next steps to create your Retirement Ready Roadmap, then visit us at retirementreadyshow.com. Here you can download educational white papers, sign up for educational no-obligation workshops, or schedule your complimentary consultation. Also, don't forget to follow and like us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Thanks for tuning in. Drake & Associates LLC is an independent financial services firm that utilizes a variety of investment and insurance products. Advisory services offered through Drake & Associates LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Investing involves risk, including the potential loss of principal. Any references to protection, safety, or lifetime income generally refer to fixed insurance products, never securities or investments. Insurance guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims-paying abilities of the issuing carrier. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be used as the sole basis for financial decisions, nor should it be construed as advice designed to meet the particular needs of an individual's situation. Drake & Associates LLC is not permitted to offer. No statement made during this show shall constitute tax or legal advice. Our firm is not affiliated with or endorsed by the U.S. government or any governmental agency. The information and opinions contained herein provided by third parties have been obtained from sources believed to be reliable, but accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed by Drake & Associates LLC.